Hey, you guys, welcome back. If you listen to this podcast, you know who we are, Socially Divorced. My name is Irena Easton. I'm your host. And everybody knows the pod, this is the podcast dedicated to what? Breaking up with social standards and well, actually, breaking up with societal standards and social expectations. Every week, I have a co-host slash guest that helps me navigate this discussion, what we're talking about. And this week, we're discussing our relationship with Mother Earth. And previously, I've had a podcast dedicated to relationship with self, relationship with others. But people really don't talk about our relationship with Mother Earth. And we're talking about that today specifically with water. And my co-host is the fabulous, the beautiful Miss Danny Washington. Hello. Welcome, Danny. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. First off, thank you for being on my show. I've known you now for a few years, and I think it's so amazing the things that you're doing. So before we jump into our discussion, let's talk about why people should listen to you, right? Because I feel like when you're listening to podcasts and people have guests, you go like, what's so special about that person? And <laughs> for me, everyone knows that everyone that I've interviewed thus far, they're my friends and my actual family. Like I talk to them outside of this space, outside of um, this world um, or this entertainment sphere. And so I always go, well, I actually know that person. And that's how they help me navigate whatever we're going to talk about. And so for me, what made me become really, really interested in who you were was we went to dinner one time, right? And we <laughs> yes. went to dinner, and they packaged our food up to go. They went to give you plastic utensils. And you went, no, thank you. And when we sat down to eat, you pulled out bamboo utensils. <laughs> yep. And I right. was like, what is that? And you showed me. You went to Amazon. You was like, this is the one I got. And I ordered three of them right then and there for me, my mom, and then for me to travel with. And you pulled it right out of your purse. They had a little sack with it. Yep. And I was like, she is serious. <laughs> like, I'm like, I know Danny does something with the water. She got the science show. She's an influencer. I was like, let me go look this girl up. Like, she really in love with, like, okay. And, you know, I'm playing plant-based and people confuse plant-based with being vegan because mm -hmm. I feel like vegan is more geared towards your intent is to save the animals. Yeah. And I think plant-based, your intent is to save the human, but your practices and your behaviors also saves the animals because yeah. I'm for the animals too, but that just wasn't what brought me to that lifestyle. And so with you, I realized I have to step up my veganism like it's not just about what i'm ingesting so one it was the the utensils that made me fall in love with you and then you was like oh and don't forget about the straw and Lord, you told me to order, to order the metal straw <laughs> yes. so i was like what and then i'm like i'm ordering on amazon and then you told me to get the straw cleaner boom yep that you need it it's essential and i'm like this is a part of her everyday life so for me, I know what made me want to engage with you because of your relationship with the earth. And that means you have a strong relationship with self. But other than that, like, why should my audience, like, why we want to listen to Danny? Like, what's big about Danny? So let's run through it. Number one, you're the first, first, first African-American to have to host their own science television series boom yep that's it just like bill nye the science guy except i was just about to say you're you're the female bill nye the science guy you got that right so that's number one and i think for me and i love bill nye the science guy right i loved him as a kid me but too. if i had a woman 
If I saw a black woman on screen. Can you imagine? I feel the same way. I would rush home from school every single day to watch Bill Nye because I loved his enthusiasm, his energy, and the way that he explained things made it so exciting and fun. And I just want to be able to emulate that even more, and especially for our girls and our boys to see, hey, you could do this too. It's open. So I was going to ask you, I'm glad you said for the girls and boys, because one of the questions I was going to ask you was, what made you, or no, not even that. How did you know that you can turn a career into your happy place? Like, how did you know this is my happy place, the water? This is what I love. I love nature. Like, as a kid, I never would have thought that what I loved, my hobby, I I didn't connect until I was an adult how to make a career with doing that. How did you know? How did you how did that come about? It was like an epiphany at the end of undergrad. So I went to University of Miami. I studied marine biology. And up until that point, I was dead set on becoming a research scientist. I wanted okay. to be a marine biologist, the one that you think of where I'm going out on a boat every day to do my field research, writing papers, working in the lab. I love all of that stuff. But how did you even know to become a, to major in that? Well, that was something that my parents had told me because the first part, when I was maybe like six or seven, I thought I wanted to be a whale trainer. You know, I went to Steal in the water. I love whales and dolphins, which most kids do. You know, they're amazing animals, so charismatic and beautiful. Um, But after that, I I spoke to my dad and he was like, you know, there are other careers where you could work in the ocean. And and one of them is marine biology, where you like study life in the ocean, not just whales and dolphins, but all life. How old were you when you had this conversation with your dad? Probably like eight. So, really? Yeah, I was a really driven kid. And, and Wait, Danny, <laughs> hold on. Other people at eight years old, what do you want to be? Basketball player? What do you want to be? A doctor? What do you want to be? A lawyer? Ballerina, yeah. yeah. Did, wait, hold on. Did you, you were walking around saying at eight years old, what do you want to be? A marine biologist? Correct. Did, yeah. people, did people say, what does a marine biologist do? Yes, all the time. And they looked at me cross-eyed because they were like, huh, little girl, what? <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> Did you have an means. answer for them? Oh, of course. Yeah, because as a, at that age, I used to like eat up books. And of course, this was before the internet blew up. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't just go surf the web. But I was uh, like provided thanks to my parents who were so in tune and able to see that I was really excited about this and felt like it was my passion. They would just provide me all the information that I could get my hands on. And then in the library, too. Um, Did you have an insight? Encyclopedia yes, set? Yes. Did you have the online set or the books? I think I ended up the having the online CD. That, uh, the Britannica? Like Britannica, exactly. Yeah, but um, I had some great teachers, too, that really saw that I, I expressed myself in that way. I remember I did my fifth grade science project, one first place, because I was talking about the effects of captivity on orcas. What? <laughs> so <laughs> like, I, hold on. In fifth grade, I'm not going to lie. Like I didn't even know what an orca was. A killer whale. I know. Yeah, but in you, fifth didn't, grade, fifth grade, you didn't know. I just would have called it a killer whale. Like, <laughs> See, up until that point, I had already started memorizing the scientific names, the Latin names of whales and dolphins because I love them that much. And like I told you before, at first I wanted to be a whale trainer, but then I started to understand that these animals do not belong in tanks. They belong in the ocean free. And Free Willy came out of that yeah. time too. So that whole conversation was going on in my head. Isn't it amazing how connected children are before oh before we have exposure to life yes. how connected you are to the way things are supposed to be we have an children have an innate sense of justice and and fairness you know um as much as we i think we need to give them more credit for that because um they just have this wisdom that's inside of them and then as we get older we get tainted and we get you know our, our opinions change because of influences around us mm-hmm. but i think that all children have that sense something you said it reminds me of a, another interview i did with dr bobby price on vegetation over medication and we we're talking about how he came to be in his career very similar right and 
I went, I need to stop for a minute and recognize this about him. And I'm going to do the same for you. I want to stop and recognize this because even though we're having this topic, I really hope people listen to the podcast and extract other lessons. Yes. And one thing that these both conversations that's parallel, your parents cultivated something that was not, I guess, the standard African-American or what people think the standard is, what kids are into, what people have the stereotype, right? Mm-hmm. You And I said the same thing with Bobby, like you're breaking myths up left and right, left and right. But a big part of being able to see what you want to be, it sounds like your parents cultivated, not only did your dad give you a suggestion, but you said they provided you the resources. Yep. You was going to SeaWorld. You was looking at, you know, you were, they provided you the environment. They provided you the resources. And the exposure. And the exposure. Yes. So a big lesson I think that everyone should hear from this, regardless if you're younger, um, for your future children, if you're currently having, currently have children, um, if you already have children, it's okay for us to cultivate our children's hobbies, our mm-hmm. children's interests, so they can develop careers. Absolutely. Because would you agree that it's common that as with children, that especially with our generation, that parents focus on us going to school and you get a, tradi- a traditional trajectory and whatever the rest of it is, that's your hobby. Right. And that's supposed to be what makes you happy, but you got to do this job to, to pay the bills. And then, go, and then go do your hobby. Exactly. When you maybe have spare time, maybe not. You know, it's just that question. And that always baffled me because I'm like, why why do we have to do this? Why do we have to be a part of this? And, you know, I graduated from college in 2008 during the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. There were no jobs. So I had to figure out what is it that I really, really want to do. At that juncture, I knew "Mm, graduate school wasn't quite for me at that point in Mm -hmm. my life because I had worked in graduate school throughout my undergrad education, worked side by side with PhD students and saw the struggles that they went through. And the environment of academia at that time was not conducive for what I wanted to do and and how I wanted to be in the world. Um, It's changing now, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. But I think at that time I knew I, I, I need to do something different. And that's when the epiphany hit me. I was like, well... I know that most of my peers, people that I know um, and that I speak to on a day-to-day basis have no clue what's going on, number one, in the ocean Mm. or about what's happening within scientific discoveries and like there's all these updates that I was aware of. And I was like, why is there such a big gap in communication? There needs to be people who understand, who have a basic foundational knowledge of science and then also can speak in you know layman's terms, not yeah. speaking scientific jargon, and explain what's going on. We need a bunch of Bill Nye's. Hey, look, but yes. just not an old white guy, right? We need breaking the, stereotypes. Yeah, the Bill Nye's need to be able to communicate with the audiences and be relatable. Yeah, right. And people have to see themselves in that person. And so that's where I I realized, oh, this is a cool opportunity. And the way that the universe works, and um, I've been so blessed in my life because I recognize this: is that when you say things and you put it out and you manifest, it manifests. Right? It comes to life if you allow it to. And so literally three months after realizing this is, okay, this is something I could maybe pursue, I submitted a a video to a contest, which was totally separate for a surf brand, Roxy. And it was this follow your heart tour thing. And they were asking girls to talk about whatever they wanted to do, whatever they're passionate about. I made a video with my little cousins about plastic pollution in the ocean, why (laughs) we should protect the ocean, just with a friend of mine. No one would have expected that. (laughs) I'm just letting you know. (laughs) And it was in Miami, where I'm from. And we just did it in in a couple hours. And my friend helped me edit together, I won the contest. 
So oh, they really? gave me 10 grand. And What'd you do with the 10 grand? 10 grand I used to start my first business, my a nonprofit called with Big your mom. Blue and You with my mom. Yeah, yeah with Big your mom. Blue and You. Yeah, <laughs> and your was, mission is yes. to educate youth on marine conservation. Hello. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Okay, so not only did you, you majored in what you wanted to major in, right? You learned about the ocean. You found your happy place as a kid in the ocean. You made a career out of that. So you're making money, and then you you win this contest. Wait, and then you decide, not only do I have to have a career, but I have to give back. I'm realizing that the world doesn't have the same positive relationship mm-hmm. with my happy place like I do. Right. They're polluting it. You, yeah. you guys are you guys fucking over my happy place. Because of a lack of knowledge, really. People just don't understand. They don't see the cyclical effects of what their day-to-day actions are having in the big picture. And so I wanted to be able to instill this mentality in young ones and young children because they are so receptive and able mm-hmm. to understand at that point. And, and they don't have their behavior. A, they're not set in stone set with in their, their ways. So exactly. I know your nonprofit is focused on educating the youth. Yes. But if I can help you, if you can help me for a minute, you don't mind? <laughs> Talk to me about what is that relationship that we have with the ocean? What is that, like you said, the plastic? Talk, I know you're used to talking to the kids, mm-hmm. and we're here to receive it. We, My group, my audience is not stuck in their ways. They're listening to this podcast because they're about changing their life, Danny. Hey, I love do you it. Mind, do you mind? Can what can we do day to day? First off, before what can we do? Mm-hmm. What are we doing wrong? Like we don't. What is the impact? What's going on? Okay, so the problem, very simply stated, is that we are using carbon-based materials, so things that are made from petrochemicals, okay. oil. Okay, okay, that we started a hundred years ago. They discovered that ooh, this is a really great energy source, and we can do a whole bunch of things with it. So beyond just creating fuel for our vehicles and our and our and just energy in general, they found that these petrochemicals can also create a. Um, an amazing material called plastic. And so in the 1950s, they I'm decided... I'm so embarrassed, you guys. I'm sitting here drinking a bottle of water. <laughs> a plastic We'll talk about that in water. a second. We'll I'm talk- so embarrassed. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this plastic material was revolutionary, right? It changed the way that we were able to consume things, whether it was keeping things sanitary, you know, or just packaging. You know, we could ship things all over the world and it was safe and protected. And so at the time, I mean, that development was amazing. But what we found out in the next, you know, after a few decades of using this stuff, well, hey, this stuff doesn't break down. It's not compostable. You can't just throw it out. It's going to just break into little bits and continue to be in in our space, right? And so what we've realized now in the last 10 to 15 years is that this plastic consumption that's now global, worldwide, billions of people using this material, is ending up in landfills, and more importantly, it's landing in our oceans. Because when people drop plastic on the ground in the city street, it goes into the storm drain. Where does that storm drain go? To the ocean. Okay. Right? And then what's more startling is that this plastic is getting on the water, and then it's designed to photodegrade, meaning when it, the sunlight hits it over time, it's going to break down into smaller and smaller bits. But what eats those bits? Animals. Animals. The ocean, marine animals confuse it for food, all the way from this tiny little minnows, seabirds, up to whales. I mean, in fact, like a couple weeks ago, they just pulled a dead sperm whale that its stomach was full of plastic. So they don't realize that this is not food. Oh, wow. And they slowly starve. All right? So that's affecting the marine animals. But let's talk about how it affects us. When we eat seafood, we are now a part of that food chain where the plastic materials that are in the fish are going back to us because those little plastic bits are actually attracting more pollutants. So little- Oh, wait. Hold on. Because you know... Nah, Danny, you know I'm <laughs> glad, You know how I feel about the, the eating of the meat, right? Right. So you, you, 
I was very, very well aware of how plastic got to the ocean, mm -hmm. right? Just because you see like those ads of like the birds and they are, you see turtles and they got the they're trapped in the the can the holder. Can, yeah. yeah, that's that's a common image, right? So I was aware of that, but I never thought about what you just said that the animals, the 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 birds, I'm not the birds, the seafood eats these particles, mm -hmm. and then we, not me, you guys, because y'all know what I, I don't gave eat up, seafood anymore. Yeah, yeah I gave up <laughs> seafood. Um, ingest that and then our well my favorite seafood used to be crawfish shrimp right. uh, catfish which are at the bottom of the food chain i was just chain. about to say at the bottom yeah so we our behavior in interacting with this material plastic and then our inability to dispose of it properly is now becoming a part of the food chain for the animals right and people are eating the animals yes and what does plastic do? Do you know what plastic does to the human body? Well, what they're finding now um, in research, you know, studies is that uh, plastics have certain chemicals in them like fat phthalates and BPA. You've heard of BPA. Mm -hmm. A lot of bottles say now BPA free. Well, that molecule is mimicking estrogen. It's mimicking a hormone. So what they're finding is that we're disrupting our endocrine system. So that's what, what? we're seeing so much imbalance. Yeah, it's and it's pervasive because we use plastic every day. Wait. Danny, you're blowing my mind right now because I always joke about like once you go down a rabbit hole, mm -hmm. you have to unlearn everything that you've learned and you realize how everything's connected. And the example that I give people a lot, I go, when you're in school in elementary, middle, high school and college, you learn everything in subjects. Mm -hmm. You learn, for example, the subject of math, then you have geometry. You have um, algebra, algebra, calculus. Yes. Then you have calculus one, two, and three. But they don't tell you how algebra connects with calculus, how calculus connect with you physics. Know, yeah, they don't tell you that. You learn, you compartmentalize everything. But then you become an adult, and you have life experiences. And when you begin to research how to address those experiences and how to navigate life, you realize that everything leads you to something else in your life and something else, and it's all connected. So yes. one day I went. We have to really stop l learning the process of learning. We have to change the process in which we consume information. Mm -hmm. And the more that I unlearn things, the more pe my friends, people like you, teach me something that I'm like, wait, I'm vegan. I'm not eating that <laughs> stuff. I'm not doing that. But I got to be honest, Danny, I don't always recycle my bottled water. Right. So although I can walk around and say, I'm not ingesting these animals and therefore, I'm not being exposed to that. It's just as sad when my mom and sisters are impacted by what you just talked about. Exactly. So now it's like, wait a minute. You've just put a light for me. You just bing, put a light for me for me to realize, oh, and I already, I, you know this, but it's like another reminder how you impact the next person. Absolutely. And that we're all connected. We're connected with every living thing on this planet. And it's a living, breathing planet. And we're a part of that cycle. And I think for too long, human humankind has, has viewed ourselves at the top of this pyramid, right? That we're kind of untouchable. We're on the periphery of what's going on. And we're not. We're a part of a big circle. And so I think there's a wave of consciousness that is starting to build where people are seeing the benefits of a circular economy, where we can figure out how we can utilize materials and resources much more efficiently and be able to cycle them back into the system. Because we can't continue to to create materials like single-use plastics that are just going to create 
massive amounts of waste and mm-hmm. poison us, literally poison us. So now, let me pause here. I'm not saying that all plastic is bad. Okay. If you look at around us right now, the headphones we're wearing, the microphone we're using, there are bits of plastic in all of this. Yes. And plastic has accelerated us into the digital age. We would not be here technologically, right, have this exponential growth that we've had over the last 30 years without, without plastic. plastic. I mean, it's there, but it's what we do with it afterward. How do we dispose of it? What are we, are we creating new things? Are we creating more new plastic? Or are we going to recycle and reuse that plastic? Okay, so that brings me to, I, I, this is, I think sometimes people be like, is that a real question? <laughs> I'm dead. Like, this is about to be a real question. I'm, I might just be stupid, you know? No, no questions are stupid. You need to just ask questions. This is the thing. Based on what you just said, there's so many levels of what change needs to occur. And in society, there's so many mindsets of we need a leader to change us. The government has to do something to change us. And then there's the individual responsibility to community. So it sounds like there's three parts to this. What the person does, what an individual person does in their day-to-day life, what they choose to spend their dollars on, exactly products that are already recycled, and then if you choose to spend your money on products that are not already recycled, products you have to make sure or what are you going to do to make sure it's disposed properly. Right. So that's one part of it, the individual responsibility. Absolutely. So before we go to the other two components, talk to me about what I, I wake up in the morning, my day-to-day, what are minor things that I could do as the individual person that I know that I'm contributing, or better yet, not even contributing. I'm not, no, I'm I am, I'm not contributing to the problem. Okay. Yeah, there are so many things that you can do. And and granted, I mean, I'm still using bits of plastic that I really would love to cut out of my life. But sometimes, you know, you go to the grocery store and you're like, oh, my God, everything is packaged in plastic. What do you do? Danny, I'm not about to buy a $5 bottle of water. Please don't. Just That's the it's first not, step. Like just because it's made, <laughs> just because it's in an aluminum, aluminum reusable container. Well, the thing is, is that's what that's the whole point. It's a reusable container that you can refill. So if you look at the basic items, like you talked about the straw, every day in the United States alone, we use 500 million straws every okay. day where people put in their drink. They use it for five, 10 minutes or half an hour. I don't know. Then they throw it away. Yeah. That's a single use piece of plastic where you use it once and you dispose of it. And I actually do. I do have a metal. Like you, because of you, I do have metal straws. I have three of them. I and I do it. travel with them. I actually put them in the same bamboo little holder the holder yeah perfect um and yeah. you guys that's on amazon it's like 13 bucks yeah yeah for a pack of two um don't forget to get the straw cleaner exactly get the straw cleaner it's a little pipette thing you stick down <laughs> but there's also glass straws there's bamboo straws and i saw a company came out with hay straws so mm-hmm. those are completely compostable straws um so you know restaurants are slowly taking that up and that's the first piece that we're now beginning to eliminate worldwide the word is spread but we've got to move on to plastic water bottles this is something where we're just convenience is king we're looking for just something quick and easy we need uh you know to be able to refill aluminum bottles glass bottles you know, you can use ceramic bottles, but just avoid the plastic bottles. I don't even use yeah. reusable plastic bottles because of the contaminants and the chemicals in plastic. If you were to leave that in your car, I was just about to in say the heat. Okay, talk good. about that because my sister told me that one day she was like, "Oh, you, do you have any water at your house?" And I was like, "Girl, I got like two cases of water in the, in the car. Like, I just leave cases of water in my trunk." Yeah. And she was like, "Girl, you can't do that. Don't do she it." She was like, "It breaks down the chemicals in the plastic get in the water." She was like, "Especially for women." Yeah. And so. 
Tell us, tell the audience what that's about. Well, like I mentioned before, the the chemicals that are present in a lot of types of plastic are endocrine disruptors, meaning that they mess with your hormones and put things out of whack because these chemicals, the molecules in your body, are mimicking like estrogen and other hormones. So it's it's not good. It's confusing your body, and then your body ends up doing weird things, whether it it manifests into cancer or, you know. And there's still a lot of research being Word, done. Your menstrual cycle worse. Uh, it's just so <laughs> many things. So Cramps. many things. Yeah, guys, that means your girlfriend gonna be extra moody. Uh oh. I don't know if I can say that factually, but <laughs> <laughs> definitely go online and, and do a little bit more research because there's there's a lot of um, a lot of papers that have been released about this. Uh, it's just it's been difficult to communicate it because yeah. again, once again, convenience is king. People just want to have something quick, easy, and just grabbable. But, so before before even so, I had to ask when, when I wake up what I can do. Before then, I before the water bottle thing before the straws and the bamboo utensils, it sounds like I need to change my mindset. Absolutely. That's the first step. Okay. That's the first step. You have to understand, look at your day. I, I would, I always recommend taking a week and just journaling all the things that you use throughout your day, whether it's what you're eating or whatever you're consuming, mm-hmm. just write it down. And then after that week, observe, okay, this, this was in plastic. This was in plastic. What can I switch out? What can I buy in bulk? There are things that you can buy in bulk stores now and you can bring your own containers. Um, for water, I actually go to a water store. <laughs> there are a lot of them popping mm-hmm. up here in LA. What's that? Well, they sell alkaline water mm-hmm. in bulk. So they have the alkalizing you know, system within the store. The Keegan? Kind of like the Keegan, Keegan water, not not quite like the Keegan, because the Keegan, I believe, is like a unit that you put in your on your yeah, sink. Yeah, but they have they have like facilities you go and you could have bought like this big Keenan drill and you could go fill and it go up. Go fill it. Then I guess yeah, I've never bought from them, but I, that sounds correct. Where, yeah. where do you go? There's a store on uh, Lincoln in Venice that I started going to, and it's I'm forgetting the name right now. It's, I see it in my head, but um, but anyway, I go there and they have just the faucets, and you go okay. and you fill up, and you can get alkaline water. You can get regular. How much is it? I I bought. Glass jugs, gla- mm-hmm. gallon jugs, and I pay. I paid five dollars to fill up three three gallons. Really? Mm-hmm. So then I just leave them there, and then you can leave that glass jug in your car if you really need to have water in your car all the time, because then you know no contaminants are going to get in into that water because it's bottled in glass. How much was the, well? How much was the glass container? I think I want to say it's like five or six bucks each. So it's a small investment, and but you use it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm at the reason I'm asking that is I feel like a lot of times when you try to. Not you specifically, but anyone, when you try to share information with someone, like mm-hmm. how to change, one of the immediate objections is that's going to be more. That's right. going to be this. And so what you're saying is $5 for this container that is a reusable container when you would have bought three bottles of water, plastic. And you would have spent three yeah. times that much. And yeah. you would have hurt the community. So, yeah. So I understand. I'm going to – this – I'm not someone that just tells the audience to do something. I'm gonna do this stuff. Like I'm gonna, um, I'm taking my notes. I'm doing it. Like I'm like, where's the place at? I'm going. I'm going. Oh, when yeah. I find out the name of you guys, I'm gonna put in the link. I'm for real, dead ass. Um, yeah, because water is life. You know, we have to start with water because you cannot survive more than three days without water in your body. We're seventy percent water within ourselves, and our planet is seventy five percent covered by water. So there's a reason why water is so essential. And um, if you can clean up the water that you drink, that's the first step toward, I think, really um, achieving health. Okay. Health. So we have for the individual, change your mindset, change your behaviors, mm-hmm. and then change your practices. Right. And that also will then initiate the next change of behavior, which is what we do after the products. Right. So that's four things on our on the individual level. <laughs> yeah. So, but then 
So you have a nonprofit dedicated to the future generation, and that's great. So you're starting with them young, and you're changing that way. But what about the people that's not young? That's and not young. That that leads me to the policymakers. <laughs> so how how does that play into all of this? Oh, it plays a big <laughs> role. And what I've found is that by in, investing in young people and children, they become the communicators. They go home and they tell their parents, like, look. We're going to the grocery store. I'm bringing the bags. We're not using those plastic bags anymore because this, this, and this. I don't want to see the tea tur- sea turtle eat this bag yeah. or did it, you know? And they become the enforcers, which is a beautiful thing. And Bobby then, said the same thing last week. Yeah. Like no. two weeks ago, he said that. He's like, the children become the parents. Out of the mouth of babes, and they can really influence their entire family. So that's why I thought it was imperative that I focused on young ones. But on top of that, when it comes to policy and influencing our governments, um, number one, we can't depend on the government to instill massive change with the exception of certain legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that becomes the the reason why the legislation changes is if there's demand by their yeah. constituents. So it has to start with the, the, the individual. So, so people need to be prepared to vote and yes. vote on certain things as well as be prepared to speak up about these things, not just other issues that are common issues. Like we have to speak about these things as well. Yeah, it's a comprehensive thing. We have so many things going on in our world. I know that it's challenging to try and pull all that together and to to focus your energy on you know certain uh, causes. But again, if you're not healthy, if you're not living your best life, you can't offer anything else to the world. You've mm-hmm. got to take care of your body and you got to take care of your immediate surroundings because then that kind of just, you know, ripples outward. But um, legislation-wise, we I've worked with young people in high school and college uh, through a program that I helped co-create called See Youth Rise Up. And we go to Washington, D.C. every year on World Oceans Day week. Mm-hmm. But World Oceans Day is on June 8th. I was, just, and, I was about to say, when is World Ocean June Day? June 8th. And it's worldwide. Everybody celebrates it. And um, we, we go up to D.C. and we go and meet with uh, senators and representatives. Representatives, and we meet really yes, and we talk. And the about, high school and the college students are speaking with them. Absolutely, and what we found is that uh, that age demographic going to Capitol Hill here in the U.S. is extremely effective, and the the staffers of these senators and representatives really pay attention to what they have to say because it's like, wow, these kids are bold enough to come up here. What most Americans don't even realize is that those the doors of the Capitol Hill are open to us. They yes. work for us, mm-hmm. okay? And that somehow got convoluted over the last few decades. But we need to be able to feel empowered enough to get there, make a phone call, make an appointment, and sit down with our our you know our politicians and say, hey, this is important to me and my community, and it needs to be fixed. Yeah. And the more people that do that, the more we'll be able to see change. Do you think that people don't take... Um the relationship with Mother Earth serious because it's not something they see impacting you day to day. Like it's not a tangible change. Exactly. It's versus what's it's, out of sight is out of mind. Yeah. So yeah. they're like, oh, that's a problem that I can work. Kind of like climate warming. It's a, pl- it's a problem I can focus on in the future. And mm-hmm. then time keeps passing. Right. And it's passing very, very quickly. Um, I think, you know, on a foundational level, the ocean, it how it how does it impact us on a day-to-day basis? Number one, the ocean helps provide over 50% of the oxygen we breathe. So it's not just trees out here making oxygen what? for us. Yes. What? Most Wait, people don't know I didn't this. know that. Yeah. I did not know this. You just, <laughs> you ever seen those memes and it'd be like, when did you learn this fact? <laughs> and I'm like the person that puts it at the bottom just now. Just now. <laughs> so this is, this is my just now moment for the day. Uh-huh. Like... 
I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's these little tiny animals called phytoplankton. And there's zooplankton, which are more like animals. And then phytoplankton are like microscopic plants that live at the top, at the surface of the ocean. And you can't even see them. You have to look at them under a microscope. And they photosynthesize just like trees and plants where they take in carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and they process it and then they release oxygen. And it's this exchange. So the ocean has been the biggest carbon sink on the planet where all the carbon dioxide that we're putting out into the atmosphere from burning fossil fuels in our cars to running ACs and, and buildings, you know, and exhaling, the, the ocean is absorbing that for us and then recycling it and producing oxygen. But what has happened is that because of the Industrial Revolution, because of the fact that we're burning so many fossil fuels and putting so much carbon too quickly, the ocean is now unable to process it fast enough. It's not, it can't be a filter. Right. So it's not, what's happening is the ocean is acidifying. The chemistry of the ocean is changing. Oh. Yeah. And so because of the, the no. rate in which we've put so much carbon in the water and so, or in the atmosphere, and that's where scientists are most alarmed because animals like your your former favorite seafood, crawfish and shrimp and all those bottom dwellers and like oysters, all these guys, all these different organisms build their shells based on absorbing carbon, calcium carbonate out of the seawater to, to grow. But when the water is acidic, that process is unable to happen. And the shells of these animals are literally like dissolving. Crumbling. Yeah. So we're seeing that. And, and then the, the biggest impact is on coral reefs. And coral reefs are like the rainforests of the sea. It's, it has more biodiversity than an actual rainforest. Like there's so much life that depends on corals. And can you, so wait, because people hear about coral, coral reefs mm -hmm. and I know what a coral reef is. Actually, one of my my places I want to go. Yes, is Great Barrier Reef. Is to Australia, yes. to the coast of Australia. We got to go. Yeah. I haven't been yet, and uh, I'm like, ugh. I'm big, that big. And they say it's going away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, need we to. We had I, a major die off last year, unfortunately. Um, so, but my question for you is how does the coral reef dying impact humans? Mm -hmm. Like, because I, I really genuinely want people to make changes in their life. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to get people to change for something they don't believe in right. because they don't see it. They don't see how it impacts them. Personally. Yeah. Per, on an individual level. Yes. So can you speak to how, not just the how, because we just talked about how plastic pollutes the ocean mm -hmm. and then these animals ingest the, o ingest the pollutants mm -hmm. and we are now ingesting them back within ourselves. Yep. So that's, I understand that cycle. And, not, and then I understand the cycle of, well, there really won't have that many of my former favorite seafood. They won't. It won't be there because they're not able to build the shells that they need. Right. You know, they're going to die before we're able to. Or they're going to be fished off because we're also dealing with overfishing, <laughs> where industrialized fishing practices are wiping out entire populations of these animals and not giving them enough time to replenish themselves, so to reproduce and then grow again. When, you know, back in the day, people had other methods that were a lot slower and took a lot less fish at a time, and the ocean could, could handle that. But now it's like, whoa, we've got seven seven point something billion people on planet, and one billion of those people are solely dependent on sea food for their protein wow yeah so okay because <laughs> you're like blowing my <laughs> mind right now i did not expect to be this i was not expecting this like i'm like whoa so wait a minute because the same thing with animals and with like vegans and things like that is it's not that animals are bad to ingest it's what we're doing in the process in the industrialization of killing animals mm -hmm. that makes it bad to ingest. So people eating meat, 
four, five hundred years ago, six hundred years ago, the relationship with the animal was different. Way different. What we fed the animals were different. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the animals were killed was different. And then the amount in which you ingested meat was not at a high at the rate that which were right. people do now. Right. Um, and therefore, like for as far as pollution is concerned, the biggest industry that can that impacts pollution is the meat industry. One of them, yeah. I mean, the cow industry, just beef alone, you know, yeah. the amount of methane that's released into the atmosphere from these cow ranches uh, are just, yeah, it's mind-boggling. And yeah, so the, and I, I'm using it as an example because in my evolution of learning about the, the body and what I ingest, I went through a period where it's like, okay, I'm not going to eat beef and chicken. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, I'm not going to eat seafood. Like it was a slow, slow progression. But then yeah. once I became vegan, I looked back and was like, that was the dumbest shit ever. Let me tell you why. Because <laughs> it's like, okay, I was a vegetarian, but I still ingested dairy, which is the devil. Yeah, right? dairy's rough. <laughs> yeah, it was the devil when it comes to the body. And then now you're telling me this about about the seafood. So it was like, wait a minute. I thought I was doing all better with not ingesting beef and chicken. Like, I'm just going to eat seafood. But I was eating plastic, too, mm. with that. Um, still having the same impact. And then so... In this discussion, you're making me realize, like, oh, well, that was some dumb shit I did then too because I was unaware. And I feel like we're just, a lot of us are very unaware because there's so much content to be consumed, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not in a society that cultivates cultivates um, the ingestion of content to make you a better human being. Yeah. We're, we're in a different place in time right yeah. now. And so... One, thank you for that. But also, so we know about the meat industry, and because I talk about it all the time, and then you just exposed us to the pollution problems that we're doing to the ocean. And then because the ocean is not able to do what it's supposed to do because of our behavior practices, right. I'm realizing that it is an individual thing. Then it's an individual thing on top of a policy issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of, when we talk about government and we talk about organizations, yeah. I'm always thinking that, those in the, those entities can be represented in court like an individual person. Mm-hmm. But those entities are made up of people. Right. So this all goes back to individual accountability because if you're in a group and you have individual responsibility to the group, then you're going to bring your beliefs and your value system. Mm-hmm. And so we everybody has to participate, even if it is just the mom changing out her kid's bottle yeah. of water, you know, the soccer mom not bringing 12 bottles of water to the team. You exactly. Know? You multiply that by, you know, 52 weeks or whatever. It, it, it all exponentially changes when you just make one choice. And I just want people to realize that we still have power to make changes if we consciously decide to do it as an individual first and live, it by, live by example. Because what I've found where Working in the environmental, you know, uh, in just space, a lot of times it becomes very preachy. People are also preaching, but they're also making you feel guilty for what they're yeah. doing. And they're oh, just like, know, I'm just surviving. You know what do you want me to do? You know vegans like that, right? And the, again, Not vegan, intentional, but you know, it's like... Being vegan is a lifestyle. <laughs> Going plant-based is a diet. So yeah. there's two different things. And vegans are very focused on animal rights, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. And, and that's 
well and great, but you cannot inspire people to make changes in their life if you're going to guilt trip them. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to find a way to just inspire people. And again, live by example, because you can't be a hypocrite out here living different. You know, like it doesn't make any sense. So every day I'm working on myself, continually trying to make better choices. And it's hard. It's hard to be in America and not be able to use plastic. Because you travel so much. And I travel and it's it's rough, but I I make incremental change and, and do what I can within my power in that moment. And that's all that we can do for you know what we can do I have a right petty now. question for you what you, since you travel so much uh-huh. when you're on planes do you have like a water bottle and like when they come around you're like do you want something to drink and instead of water do you, do you I mean instead of getting the cup they give you do you you pull out your bottle like just pour it in the bottle I do I do and I'll tell you right do now you really? that 75% of the time they tell me no what mm-hmm. why because they don't believe that it's sanitary they don't think that they should be able to I'm like just take the bottle that you have or the can give me the can and I'll pour it myself or you just pour it don't even touch my cup I'll hold it just pour it and they the argue with me i had a flight attendant get in my face <laughs> yeah i was like this is no you crazy. cannot so what i've done now is just i just make sure to fill up my water bottle before i get on the plane and if they have cans available i'll do that because aluminum is recyclable um and yeah i just that's that's what i have to do but like yeah they, there's there's certain policies and i've seen that happen also in restaurants and things like that so some things you might have to just give up for a little while until they recognize you know be inconvenient. Be yeah, it's for the convenience of your children. Exactly. To be able to be here. Yeah, future generations. So what? Ten years in the future, we don't change our behavior. What happens? <sighs> Twenty years. What happens, Danny? Well, scientists give, are, give us are, the nitty gritty. Don't 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 bullshit <laughs> me for real for real. Like what are we talking about? Like the world in tomorrow. Like people really need to know. Like give yeah. me what is it? What happens? 10, 20, 50 years. We don't change our behavior. What happens? Right now, climate scientists are predicting that we have 12 years to turn our behavior around. So the big, big picture is that the global temperature, right, on the surface of the earth in our within our living space, um, if it continues to increase on the trajectory that it's on right now because of our carbon, the, the stuff that the fossil fuel burning, all that stuff, um, we're going to heat the planet up too hot. So think of like planet Earth having a blanket <coughs> on it right now but okay. it still has a fever and so the temperature is just going up and up and up and it's unable to cool itself down and then what does that do well it's going to melt our ice caps and the poles and what happens then then sea level rise so all of our coastal cities are going to see this uptick of water and you know i live be, in la so uh, you know that we're supposed to fall off the ocean they've been telling I know. us <laughs> for 20 years when i told my mom i was moving to la she was like what well i'm not she used a vulgar term that People call girls, but she was like, girl, you're going to fall off the ocean. She was like, when the world ends, you're going to have an earthquake, and you're going to just fall in the ocean. I'm like, well, it's okay. I was like, well, I feel bad for you then. And she was like, why do you feel bad? I said, because when it happens, it'll be instant, and I'll be with God. But you would have saw it on TV. Right. And be like, damn, my daughter was in L.A. She was like, you get on my nerves. Yeah, I think my perspective on that is that if it happens, it happens, and that's that's what it's going to be. You know, if it's your time, it's your time. But anyway, that's 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 basically where we are with the earth, and we have about 12 years to really change our behavior. And what does that mean, change our behavior in 12 years? That doesn't mean, Danny, that can't to, mean I just stop buying water bottles. What does People say that, and I'm always like, what does it mean that we change our behavior starts, as a community? Yeah, as, a, like, as a nation, as a global society, we have to change. And again, your individual actions do help. You start there. You start with the water bottles. You start with um, plastic bags. But what's the bags. leaps and bounds that has the to happen in 
12 years. It's it's probably related to the Green New Deal that we have pushed right now uh, in in Washington, D.C. That's the first step. But it's really about changing our energy source. We have to move away from burning fossil fuels and we have to move toward clean energy, which is wind, solar, hydro, and geothermic energy. That's all available to us and it does not pollute the planet whatsoever. It's all right there. We have all the energy we need. Man, man, I just, I'm blown. I'm blown. (laughs) So we're going to turn this conversation to a little bit lighter because I'm just blown. I'm just blown. I I know it's a lot. It's like, I really truly feel like I've been doing so much to inspire people. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing so much to inspire myself and to make changes within my own personal life. Yeah. And it's like, once you learn something about yourself, and once you think you've dealt with something, you learn something else. Mm-hmm. And it's like this ongoing journey. So many layers. And so now I'm just, I'm now into, you just op- uncovered a, a layer of the onion of the things that I need to do in my personal life, specifically to the ocean, mm-hmm. specifically to that. And so thank you for that. Um, my pleasure. But I want to ask you about the ocean being your happy place mm-hmm. on a spiritual yes, level. Yes. And because you always talk about the sun and being with the water. <laughs> um, and we talk about in traveling, I go, I love the people. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I love the water. Yes. And we always talk about, man, like how we're the opposite when mm-hmm. it comes to when you go explore a place. Right. So you do diving. Yeah, I'm a scuba diver certified when I was 17. What? 17? 17. You can get er, you could get certified in scuba diving as early as 12 years old. And you've scuba dived all around the world? Yes. Papua New Guinea, uh, off the coast of Ecuador. You know, I want to photograph the people there, but yeah. Oh, that's my dream. You, that's the most wild place I've ever been in my life. Papua New Guinea? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it's a magnificent country. Um, yeah, and the best diving, too, because there was nobody else out there. <laughs> my dive boat was the only one, and I was like, yes. <laughs> It was amazing. Um, but yeah, that that immersion, being able to be underwater for long periods of time is like heaven to me. Do you think it's a natural thing because we grew up, because we're, we're developed in the womb and water? You think your yeah. relationship with water? The, the, the ocean has this, um, to me, it's like a, a mirror to... Just all of just our life and like how our lungs, how you know, when the waves lap onto the shoreline, it's like it it gets your sympathetic nervous system back in line. It's like the breath. It's like inhaling and exhaling. Yeah, I mean, people say that all the time. When you go to the beach, you feel immediately relaxed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And there's a sense of just ease, and that that encapsulates the feeling that I get every time I'm near the water, by the water, in the water. Um, I feel aligned, and that's really important to me. And and one of my really dear friends and mentors coined uh, a name for that, and it's called Blue Mind. And he's one of the first scientists. He was formerly a marine biologist studying sea turtles, and he's he's shifted into studying neuroscience because he wants to know what are the actual medical implications of people being by water. There's a reason why 70% of the world's population lives near coast is because we are attracted to the ocean, Mm -hmm. and we know that life started in the ocean, and there's just like, uh, it, it, there's, there's so many benefits to it. And people have seen, you know, complete uh, shifts in their health by being closer to water. And, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's a whole new craze with floating in salt water. There are yeah. places that pop pots. My, yeah. my audio engineer was just telling me about floating. <laughs> yeah. literally, like, it was maybe like 10 days ago. And he's yes. like, you got to try out this place. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
It's the most incredible thing. I tried it in Washington, D.C. at this uh, facility called Solex. And yeah, you book an appointment and you go in for an hour and it's a pod that's complete sensory deprivation. No light, no it's sound. Better than, it's better than being in the ocean? Uh, no, not to me. But it's still really good if you need, if you can't get to the ocean or you can't, you know, and you just need that moment. This is a great uh, alternate and um, alternative. But yeah, you go in there and you just come out and you feel like you've just been born. Like it's... It's really yeah. I'm gonna try because he Magical. told me about it, and I was like, I'm gonna try that. Mm-hmm. So with you, and when you go into the ocean, because I want to like encourage people mm-hmm. to, so they can change their relationship with the water, which also means they're changing their relationship with animals, yes. which also means they're <laughs> indirectly changing their relationship with self, yes. right? Yes. Go there. Like we live in. I live in L.A. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you. And I grew up in New Orleans, and the water in New Orleans is dirty. Well, it's not you know, dirty. It's just not it like just here. has a different. You're at the mouth of the Delta, the Mississippi River, yeah. so there's a lot of stuff. All that water's been transferred from the top of North America all the way down to you, and it's a, and it's swampy. So the yeah, it's not it's not like tropical blue water, but yeah. it's still good. <laughs> so the, if, even if you don't know how to swim or and things like that, I think that people should go to the ocean and, like you said, like just look at the water. So now it becomes visual mm-hmm. how you're connected and becomes visual like you said with the breathing and you're seeing this is a this is earth I, and I think we forget what mother earth is because we're on semen all the time right but when you have the opportunity to put your feet in the sand mm-hmm. breathe in that air that's different mm-hmm. it makes a change like you know like you refer you just reference absolutely and so what other things do you think an individual can do to change their visualization of how they interact with water mm. I think, you know, it's it's just being curious. And a lot of people have fear of the unknown. So when you think of going in the ocean, it's like <gasps> immediately that thought of Jaws comes up or like something coming up and biting you and dragging you down to the bottom. And it's like, that's not what the ocean is. <laughs> like what's the biggest, what's the biggest creature that you've, in, you've encountered in the ocean? Not, not anything to do with your research. Like just, you was just out and about and you was blessed with this encounter. Um... Well, most of my encounters have been intentional, but like the okay. biggest animal was a whale shark off the coast of Mexico, which is the biggest fish in the ocean. Not the biggest animal, the biggest fish. Okay. And it was probably around 30 to 5, 36 feet long, about the size of a school bus. And it's just swimming through the ocean. And I got to swim next to this magnificent creature. And it was doing its own thing. It was actually feeding because it was a massive uh, egg spawn for a, a certain species hey. of fish. And they eat fish eggs. They eat plankton. So they don't even like have real teeth. Their teeth are like... Uh, looks almost like Velcro, but they just go and they filter feed. They gulp up water and then they filter out the plankton and that's what they eat. And it's amazing to watch them because they're just swimming peacefully, gulping water, and this and this, this is a massive animal. And you're in the water with it and you're like, I am so small. <laughs> what am I doing right here? And I could easily be swallowed by this shark, but the shark is not paying attention to that and it's just focused on eating. And um, those kind of interactions have been so special. But I would say the, probably the most special interaction I've ever had was with a, a giant manta ray yeah. um, off the coast of Ecuador. And this was a really tough diving gig because it was cold water, like frigid. 
really green. There was a lot of plankton in it, so it, was, it wasn't it was crystal clear like tropical water. And there was a ton of current. So like you have to swim and fight under the current. It's, it can be really challenging. But this was a perfect environment for these mantas. And um, one of them, I have a video online on YouTube about it, but I was with a scientist at the time who studies giant mantas. And we noticed one of them had a fishing line wrapped around its body and it was cutting into its flesh because it had been on for so long. Whoa. And monofilament is made of plastic, PS. Oh. It doesn't break down. So when animals get entangled in it, they can't get it off. They don't have hands like us to pull it or cut it. So this is like a death trap. Essentially. Is there an alternate? Is there an alternate um, product that can be used for a fishing line? Not that I know of, to be honest. I, I really don't know. I don't know. And um, you know, a lot of the fishermen in that area are fighting, are fishing for their livelihood. There are single lines, but if they discard that fishing line, who knows what it can So that's just trap. about behavior change, yeah. behavior for them. Exactly. Okay. So anyway, we saw this manta. She runs, uh, not runs, swims off and uh, finds the manta, catches up with it, and she had a dive knife on her, so she cut it off. And we're just there, and like she got a sample for her research. She had to take a little tissue sample. And so we were there and fiddling with the equipment underwater, and then all of a sudden this manta just comes out from behind us <laughs> and is coming straight toward us. And it was just like we both looked at each other, and then we just started swimming with this manta and swam with it for about 10 minutes and i kid you not that moment i remember swimming next to this 19 foot wingspan by the way huge animal looking into its eyes and seeing like a reflection of myself and i at that moment i lost i forgot where i was and there was a point where the manta did a little like loop and kind of flipped in the water and we kind of swam with it and i forgot where the surface was and it was just this mesmerizing like magical moment that i will never ever ever forget and that was probably the point where i felt the most connected to the ocean yeah mm-hmm. was that what when you were connected in that moment is like was that like the the top grill in comparison to when you were a kid like i this is my happy place and then you're like no this is my happy this place this is my happy place yeah like, definitely yes. yeah i love being with animals in the ocean that's my favorite and diving with sharks what i dove with about 12 bull sharks uh, in Mexico last year, and that was so dope. And we just walked, we just went down, and they were curious, and they came over and looked at us, and they're all just swimming around, just like. And this is the most aggressive animal, quote unquote, on the planet. It has the most testosterone of any animal. Really? Yeah, the bull shark. <laughs> <laughs> and they're the only species that can swim in fresh or brackish water. So they're okay. they've seen bull sharks swim up rivers. Scary, but cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I love them, and it was just, oh, it was so exhilarating. And I just always recommend that for people who are deathly afraid of sharks, you need to just swim with one. And your your perception of them will completely change. Change, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And do it not in captivity. In a safe way, yeah. Don't do it in captivity. And obviously, don't try to avoid going where they, they're chumming with water. It's like ringing the kitchen bell and not feeding you know, get, not getting lunch. It, it doesn't make sense. So a lot of uh, outfitters will do that just to attract them in, but sometimes that's not the best idea. It's better if you go into their environment where they're already naturally going to be and you just come in as a visitor, you come in respectfully and and just observe them. And that's that's the attitude that I always have whenever I go in the ocean. I go in with respect yeah. because I know that this is, it's, it's my home. I want to claim it as my home, but I know it's not my home. Yes. I'm not there all the time. And I want to be there to just watch and just to be. But you're not there physically all the time, but your entire life is about saving it and about educating people about it. It, Like you're not there all the physically, but you are 
it's always with you and mm-hmm. always in the forefront of everything you do, your behavior, their practices, where you're spending your, your dollars. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I'm very thankful for what you do, and mm-hmm. I'm, thank you, I'm thankful for you educating me and my guests on what I can do individually, what we can do as individual people mm-hmm. um, committed to Im- impacting the group, and then what we can do as far as influencing policy change with, yep. you know, and then how we also going to teach our kids, you know? And so now you've, you've told us how we can t- help ourselves, help the next generation and how we can help the generation that was, that already existed, which is through policy change. Yeah. Um, can you tell the audience where they can find you? Yes. Well, you can watch me on uh, my show called nature knows best, which is syndicated on Fox. Um, I believe this year, this month might actually be the last month it's syndicated, but it, it's syndicated around the world too. Um, but you can find it on Amazon prime. So it's exploration with no, E. So exploration, nature knows best and just find it on Amazon. And then um, I'm online. My name, D-A-N-N-I Washington. So at Danny Washington, Insta, Facebook, Twitter, hit me up, DM me. And what I want to leave you with is just this idea that, yes, I just gave you a bunch of information that might seem daunting and a little bit gloomy, but I want you to know that there are solutions, that we are at a juncture of opportunity, and that if we innovate our way out of this, we can we can definitely build a brighter future. So um, I encourage anybody who's listening who's ever been curious about getting involved in science or getting involved with the ocean, just do it. Just do it and see what what you come up with because there are so many things that um, we as individuals can contribute. You just got to figure out what your passion is, figure out what your skill set is and what your gifts are and focus on that and and use that in a positive way. And that, I guarantee, will get you to an amazing place in your life. Danny, thank you for being with me here today. I wanted to tell you, or lastly, I wanted to tell you what I really, 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 really love about you is... You know, influencers always get a bad rap, right? Mm. Like, oh, they just care about themselves. <laughs> they just influence it, but you know. And you're one of the people that I know that, although you're an influencer, you're using your platform for purpose. Mm. So this is your pop. So that's my thing now. I'm like, I always ask people, what's your pop? Like, what are we drinking? What's your pop? You know, your platform of purpose. And so I appreciate you influencing change in society for the betterment. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining us. I'm out. Next time we're going to be talking about our relationship with Mother Earth when land. So thank you once again. And you guys have a great day. Peace.